there was a chassid of the Rebbe Tzemach Tzedek. His name was Schneer Zalman Schmutkin. He was born and raised in a city of Dokshitz, and he loved to come to Verbringens. He would love Nagunim, even as a child, and he was a very devoted chassid, and he did a lot of mitzvahs. Now, every year, he would travel to Lubavitch for the month of Tishrei, and the Rebbe Tzmach Tzedek would give him special attention, smile to him, and in the year Tafresh, 5,600, in the Gaish year 1840, he got married, and then his wife gave birth to a baby girl. So then another year passed, two, three, four, five, and he didn't have any more children. He wanted, he dived in for more children, but so far he only had one girl, he didn't have any more children. He wanted more children, and he wanted also to have a son. So whenever he would come to the Babich, he would talk to the Rebbe Tzmach Tzedek. The Rebbe is a big tzaddik, and when a Rebbe davens, Hashem listens, and the Rebbe also knows what's happening in Shemaim. So he would ask the Rebbe, please, give me a bracha, give me a blessing that I should have a son. But for some reason, whenever he asked the Rebbe that he wanted to have a son, the Rebbe Tzadok Tzedek would not answer him, would ignore it, or talk about something else. Give him blessings for everything else, but he would never answer him about having a son. So Shneur Zalman was very hurt and very pained because he knew if the Rebbe doesn't answer me, not because the Rebbe doesn't care, Shalom, it must be that there's a reason why. The Rebbe sees what's happening in Shemaim. And it's not just, yeah, you have a son, okay. Like, it's not like you go to a store and buy a cup and buy a toy, whatever it is. It, it takes a special, Hashem has to send down a holy soul, Neshama from Shemaim. So if the Tzemach wasn't answering him, must be in Shemaim, there was, for some reason... They, they didn't want, or they didn't allow, or they didn't, whatever, something was happening in Shemaim, in heaven. So, he was very hurt, like, he always was davening and begging, every time he comes, I would ask again and again, but he never, never got an answer from the Rebbe. Came, and his daughter was already 17 years old, and she was the only child, so they were happy, Baruch Hashem, they had a, a daughter, but, they really wanted more. Okay, it always hurt them that, you know, they had one, they wanted more. Came in the year, Tafresh Yud Ches, 5,618, in the Galatia of 1857. And this Chasnach Zalman went again for Tishrei to Lubavitch. And he was there, seeing the Rebbe, listening to the, the Rebbe's Sikha speaking, hearing the Fabrengen. And again, he never gave up he would always ask that question, can I please have a bracha blessing to have more children, to have a son? But it didn't happen. Finally came on the seventh day of Sukkot, on Hishan Rabba, it's a very special time, they opened the Arn Kodesh, and they're doing hakafas, they're going around the bima, and all of a sudden, the, the Rebbe Tzemach Tzedek stopped, and he was looking, He's looking around. He's looking for someone. And everyone's looking, why did the Rebbe stop? And who's he looking for? 
So all of a sudden, this Zalman saw that the Rebbe Semach Sadek was staring at him. He said, <gasps> the Rebbe is staring at me. The Rebbe is staring at this chassid. There's no al-kafas of Abayi So he jumped up and he went over to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe was smiling. And the Rebbe Semach Sadek said, no. So this chassid Shnezalman realized what was happening. It must be that right now, on the special day, the special time, I have a chance to ask for a bracha. Meaning, the Rebbe could see what's happening in Shemaim. And for all these years, they wouldn't let him have another child and have a son. Finally, now, the Tzermach Sadek sees him, smile, like, looks at him, no, like, like, ask. Now's the time to ask for it. So he was so, like, shocked and so excited, he could barely even talk. So he just took out the words, Amen. And the Rebbe was very happy. It seems like just at that time, for some reason, in Shemaim, it was like a special time. You have to ask. I'm going to give you an example. I think I might have said this once before, but let's say if you're home and you want your mommy and tati to buy you a new toy, let's say. So maybe you deserve it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want a big toy. Let's say you want something that, uh, you know, something pretty big. Maybe you didn't, you're not sure if you really deserve it. So if you see your mommy and tati are not happy, they're upset about something, do you think it's a good time to go ask them? No. Can I have, uh, oh, how? Wow, all you guys know. Wow. <laughs> you figured it out so quick. Guess what? I was also once your age, and I knew that. When my mommy and tati are upset, it's not a good time to go ask them something. I said it already once. You're right. Uh, a while ago. But if you see your mommy's out there, you're so happy. Let's say you came home and your mommy got a report. Your Rebbe said, or Philip said, or the principal said, you know, your son behaved so well and he did this so well. Like, they're so happy. Or you know, they're happy about something else. And then you, maybe now, is that, you know, maybe now you ask, oh, mommy, Tati, can I have a new toy or something? It's like a better chance. Yeah, you might get answered. You might say yes. Makes sense, kind of, yeah? Is that what you guys do when you want to ask for something? Okay, if you don't, I would suggest you do that. Wait till you see your mommy and tati are in a good mood. And then you can ask for something. So, kind of like that. There's special times in Shemaim where it's a special time you can ask for things. So, the Tzermach Siddiq knew what was happening in Shemaim, and now is the time he could ask. So he told the Chassid knew, like, you know, ask. And he was so shocked, he just said, Amin. But it seems like that was enough. This Chassid was so excited. And after Tisha, when he came home, he told his wife what happened. He looked for me, and I said, Oh, man, he was so happy. Uh, it must be we're going to have a child now. And yeah, that's indeed what happened. Soon afterwards, they had a baby in their tummy, the mommy had. And they asked the bracha for, from the Rebbe to have it should be healthy and easily. He gave a, very, he gave a bracha. And the next year, a boy was born. And they called him Moshe Ber, But everyone nicknamed him. They called him Bera Moshe. That's the nickname everyone gave him. So the next time that this Chassid Shezalman went to the Bavitch and he wanted to go tell the Rebbe the good news, personally about how his son was born, so he asked the Rebbe, please, for a bracha, that my son should grow up to Torah, Chupa, Meisim, Tevim, to Torah and Torah, to get married and do a lot of good deeds. And some Chassid gave him a lot of brachas, a lot of blessings, and said, this boy, he's going to have a lot of hard times when he's a child but don't be afraid 
with Hashem's help, everything's going to be fine. Okay? So the Shazam, when he left the Rebbe's room, and he was like a little bit shaken up, the Tzemach Tzedek told me, you have a lot of hard times, but he also told me, don't worry, it's going to be fine. So, okay, fine. Okay, he's going to be fine. Okay, he's a little shaken up, but okay, things are going to be good in the end. And indeed, there are three, they bring here three different things that happen to this child. And uh, by miracle, each time, Baruch Hashem, he survives. First thing they bring that happens is those days when they wanted to heat up a house. So they didn't have heating like they do nowadays. Nowadays, you want to heat up a house, you push a button and it gets warm, it goes to the whole house. There's different ways they do it. But they didn't have it like that back then. So if you wanted to warm your house in the winter, you had your own uh, oven, usually in the middle of the house. And so a certain burn down the house, they would build a special chimney made with bricks, uh, a special chimney that the smoke would go out. And, and they would either put wood or coals to make a fire, and there would be heat in the house. That's how they warm up. So came one time by the winter, or well, before the winter, let's say, and they brought to Dokshitz, the, the town, a huge amount of wood so they could keep it half for the town for the winter for everyone's house and they would pile up huge big piles and it would be wood and also like wood dust like little thin dust and the children would have so much fun every time they bring the wood and this wood dust the children would have so much fun they would climb on top of it like a mountain and, and slide and different things they would do exactly have fun so they put it this whole big pile of wood out, it was next to the mikveh where the pool water there so jumping around, having fun. And this, Bera Moshe, was also having a lot of fun. And the, this was so high, he climbed up and up and up. And he got all the way in the top. He was right next to this window that looked right into the mikveh. So he climbed up and decided to take a look. Look what's inside. So he went and looked and he saw the water in the mikveh. Let me just go take a little more look, a little more inside. He leaned inside and he slipped. And he fell, whoo, splash inside the water. So as soon as he fell in, everybody got so scared. And he could fall inside the water. Hasashalm, he could drown. Kids started running and screaming. And some kids were screaming through the window, Better Maisha, better Maisha. But he didn't answer. He was, he fell under the water. So El and the adults were also started running. One of the neighbors ran to the shoal to go get his father, who was in the middle of davening. And he was so, Zalman, Zalman, you know what happened to your son? He told him, your son fell in the mikvah. We didn't know if he drowned it out, if he's alive. So his tata, when he heard that, he jumped and scared, you know, threw off his towels and fell and started running out of the shoal. And all of a sudden, after a few steps, he stopped, took a deep breath, calmed down, and he walked back into shoal. So people saw him and they said, wait, what was that? We understand he'd be scared and run out, but why did he stop, calm down, and walk back in Shul? Why didn't he go look, try to save his son? So, and, and they saw even he was smiling. They said, what on earth happened to you? Did you go crazy? Why did you stop, start smiling? And he said, no, no, I didn't go crazy. At first, when I heard my son fell in the water, I was terrified. I wanted to go run, maybe save him. But I remember what the Rebbe told me. The Rebbe told me he's going to have hard times, hard things that happen to him, but he's going to be okay. 
So I knew my son's going to be okay. So he'll be fine. So I don't have to worry. He's, he's going to be fine. And that's exactly what happened. Before his tati even got there, another neighbor burst inside the mikvah, and he pulled his boy out from under the water. And this boy wasn't moving, wasn't talking or anything. And he started, you know, hitting his back. And all of a sudden the boy coughed and uh, all the water came out and he started breathing again. And he came back, and he came back perfectly healthy. So, phew. One thing happened, and this boy was fine. Second thing that happened is there was a time that this big, big sickness was, was spreading called, thing called cholera. And then, Unfortunately, a lot, a lot of people, unfortunately, died from this. And it was very, very contagious. It was very catchy. It spread from one person to the next. And they didn't have such good medicines to take care of the sickness. One of the things they did, though, to try to help people get over the sickness is this was like some kind of like some kind of fever or like very hot inside the body. So they, the doctors, had a trick they did. They would take boiling, boiling hot water and they would take a sheet like a bed sheet, they would dip it in this boiling, boiling hot water and take the sheet out. So now the sheet is boiling hot and they would wrap it around the sick person. So he's surrounded now with boiling hot water. So it would burn a little bit, it would hurt them a bit, but being that it was so hot, like somehow that would cure the heat, like the sickness inside of them would, would leave somehow. I, I'm not a doctor and I never, tr- I, I never saw this happen. Uh, whatever, but this is what it says in the book. This is how they, one of the ways they did. And some people got cured from it, and some people didn't, and it helped somehow, sometimes. So they were doing that for a lot of people. But this boy who was sick, the doctor said, no, 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 we can't do it to him, because he's too small. And if we do this burning, burning hot sheets of water around him, instead of curing him, it might hurt him even more. And Chas he might, you know, whatever from it. So we're not going to do it for him. So they kept him at home. And they're just trying to feed him, try whatever they could, even though his eyes were usually closed, trying to take care of him as much as they could, dab him for him. And Tati knew that, that the Rebbe said, it's going to be hard, but he's going to get better. He's going to get better. We just have to dab him, we have to just take care of him, Hashem's going to help him, he's going to get better. One day, he opened his eyes and asked for a drink. And his mother was so excited. Oh, he opened his eyes, and he spoke. He asked for a drink. His mother ran to go heat up some milk. We'll get warm milk for her son. She boiled it up and she carried it in a, like a hot mug. She was so excited she ran to bring it to him that when she was, and when she was running she tripped and this boiling hot milk spilled on him. So it spilled on him and he screamed in pain and he even got burnt, he even got blisters but that hot liquid touching him actually pulled out the sickness and cured him. He got better from the sickness right then. Well, right after then. So, two things that happened very dangerous and survived. Now, the third one is even, uh, was even a more scary thing that happened. Is that, it says, one day, Ben Amisha went to go take a walk in the forest. And he didn't know is that there were some very dangerous animals there. Now, different animals, they have different ways how they catch, catch what they, other animals or whatever they want to need them. This animal is called the hyena. And the way it says here, I, again, I never checked out hyenas. I don't want to see them. They're pretty dangerous. I'd rather stay far away. But it says the way that they catch other animals is they actually, like, trick their brain. They trick their minds. 
you know, just like the Yitzhahara tries to trick people's minds and convince them, no, it's so good, just do this, that, and the person gets tricked and can follow what the Yitzhahara says to do. So the hyena tries to get into the other animal or, or even person's brain and trick them to follow them and up to a place where they could eat them up. So the hyena was coming nearby where he was and just started staring with his huge eyes at Ben Amisha. And Ben Amisha, like, he got caught by this huge eyes and it was a way like he was able to like catch the person's brain. It's called it's called hypnosis. They have these things even nowadays also. So he couldn't like he couldn't even, like he couldn't stop looking at it, and he felt as if like the eyes were saying, "Come follow me." So he like he felt like trapped. Then the thing just started following, and the hyena is walking backwards to the place where he wanted him to go, so he could chasm shalom whatever. And he was also walking and following. And if this continues for another, who knows how long, a few minutes, it's going to be in the exact place the hyena wants to go, Chasu shall meet him. So just then, there was a carriage, a wagon, horse and wagon, riding by of some uh, nobleman or someone. And it says that Hashem makes, controls the hearts and minds of these kings and princes and everyone. So for some reason, this nobleman decided, let me drive this way. And let's say... The hyena standing in one spot and the better Moshe standing maybe 10 or 20 feet away. But he's just like walking, following the hyena because he's staring at it and like controlling him. The wagon drove right in the middle between them. So once it drove in the middle for, a few, for like a few seconds, he didn't see the hyena's eyes, he saw the wagon. So he like, he was able to stop staring at his eyes. The hyena was able to wake up and not be like hypnotized. And he realized what happened and he started to run, run away. The hyena was all upset. Hey, I lost my uh, my lunch. So I started to, to try to chase after him, but the hyena couldn't catch him. So he finally came home, and he collapsed on the floor. He was all white, and uh, finally he like he looked like sick. Like parents like, what happened to you? Finally, after a while, he was finally able to talk again, and he said, "Yeah, I saw these eyes in the wagon." Uh, and his parents realized, "Wow, he almost Hashem died, and at the last second he got saved." They realize what Tanakhstadik said. Now this boy is going to have hard times, but he's going to be good at the end. And again, you see here that see, it's from Shemayim, it's like he wasn't supposed to have a child. Finally, the Tanakhstadik got the exact right time, he'd get the bracha. But for some reason in Shemayim, it wasn't supposed to be so easy. We don't know why things work like that in Shemayim, only a Tzadik does. But with the Tzadik's help, and with the brachas, and, and Hashem's help for sure, this boy grew up and was able to be healthy in life.